Good to see you this morning. Good to be here with you. Good to have you with us online. Now take your Bibles this morning and turn to Revelation chapter 13. Last book in the Bible. We've been in our series in the book of Revelation for a number of weeks now. And we uh, come this morning, chapter 13, beginning of verse 8 in just a moment. We're going to take a look at God's revelation to us about the rise of the false prophet. Again, just to kind of reset the context for those who were with us or may not have been with us over the last few weeks, we're in the midst of uh, chapters in Revelation that are known as parentheticals. Uh, parentheticals do not advance the chronology of events in the tribulation. In other words, uh, God is not revealing to us at this particular point things that will happen. What he's doing in these chapters is revealing to us details about things that are already revealed. In this case, in this chapter, we looked at last week the rise of Antichrist, the beast out of the sea. And then this week, we're going to look at the rise of the false prophet, really his, his running mate, if you will, uh, in the religious sense. Now, we learned last week uh, five things about Antichrist uh, that I want to go over very quickly here as we uh, look at one more thing about Antichrist. We didn't have time to finish last week, and then we'll look at the, the false prophet. Now, last week, we understood that Antichrist will be a man in the tribulation that will come to power, really world-dominating power, and he will be demonically influenced, if not demon-possessed. He will be the mouthpiece, if you will, the, the, the manifestation of what Satan wants done in the world. It'll be him and his government through whom these things will happen. So he will be uh, probably the, the, the most evil leader the world has ever known, uh, again, directly influenced by Satan and demonic uh, power. Secondly, we understood that he will be the head of what is referred to in the book of Daniel as the rise or the reestablishing of the old Roman Empire. So those nations that fell under the Roman Empire uh, when Rome was at its apex will come again under the, the leadership, if you will, of the Antichrist, and he will be the head of this coalition of nations controlling their economies, controlling their military, and be able to greatly influence and impact the world. Thirdly, we understood that he will be uh, wildly popular among the world. Um, he will suffer what the Bible describes as a fatal wound, meaning uh, something will happen to him, and, and Satan will create a, a scenario of what we might call a false resurrection or a false recovery. And Satan is a is a deceiver. That's his a main tool in his toolbox. And so he will use this deception of this uh, Antichrist appearing to have overcome death, if you will, to imitate Christ and the resurrection of Christ. And the world, of course, will fall for it hook, line, and sinker. The Bible's told us forcefully that this Antichrist, this beast, will be the, the, the epitome of a blasphemer. He will be the greatest of those who have blasphemed God as a leader uh, in the world. In fact, we understand that in the first half of the tribulation, he will make a covenant with Israel and allow them to rebuild the temple. And Israel will reconstitute Judaic worship uh, in the first half of the tribulation. At some point at the halfway uh, mark of the tribulation, this man, this Antichrist, will turn against Israel. He will go into the temple and set himself up as God and, and tell them to worship him. Ultimate blasphemer. And then fifthly, we understood that this man, when, he, when his true colors are revealed at the three-and-a-half-year mark, he will persecute and uh, hunt down 
Christians, people who have put their faith in Christ like no other leader in the history of the world. So this man will be a, a bad person. Uh, he will be directed by Satan and will certainly lead the world toward the culmination of events. Now, the one thing we didn't get to look at last week was how the world will worship him, how he will set himself up as deity. And I want to look at that very quickly, beginning of verse 8. Look at verses 8 to 10 of chapter 13 of Revelation. The Bible says, all who dwell on the earth will worship him. And it specifies who these people are, look, whose names have not been written in the book of life of the Lamb, slain from the foundation of the world. If anyone has an ear, let him hear. He who leads into captivity shall go into captivity. He who kills with a sword must be killed with a sword. Here is the patience of the faith of the saints. Now, John reveals here, the Apostle John, as God revealed him, said that the whole world uh, will worship this man, the, the, the lost world, those who know not Christ. And, and it specifically says those people who will worship him do not have their name in the book of life. Now, I don't know how many of you uh, spent much time thinking about the book of life, but let's think about that for a moment. The book of life is a book in heaven with the names of everybody who's saved in it. In other words, if you're a born-again child of God, if you have trusted Jesus Christ by faith and you are saved, your name is in the book of life. Uh, when I was on my last ship, uh, I taught Bible studies on Sunday morning. We didn't have a chaplain, and the XO said, you're the next best thing we got, so you're teaching. So I would... I would teach on Sunday mornings and the crew would come down and we'd have, we'd have church. We'd have some prayer time and we'd have Bible study. And, and one young man that I had the privilege to lead to the Lord, he worked for me. He uh, came in my office one Sunday afternoon after we had had Bible study and he, we had talked about the book of life. And he came in my office and he said, I have, I have a question about the Bible study this morning. I said, sure, what is it? He goes, how do I get my name in that book? I said, well, I can help you with that. And so we sat down and I shared the gospel with him and he prayed to receive Christ. Listen, that, that's the book you want your name in, okay? You can have your name on a lot of roles. You can have your name on the church role and that's not gonna help you, okay? Have your name on the Sunday school role, not gonna do you much good. But when you get to heaven and you meet Jesus and your name's in the book of life, you're in, okay? That's the book you want your name in. Now, speaking of books in heaven, I want you to think about this. We find out in Revelation 20 that when the great white throne judgment happens, we find out there are other books in heaven. So let's think about it for a minute. There is the book of life, which is the one that matters. Okay, you need your name in that book. But the Bible also says there are other books, plural. Now those books we find out as we read the account here in Revelation, those books record all our sins. Now let that sink in for just a minute. For the lost man and woman, the, the, the man and woman who's not saved, who's not born again by faith in Jesus and their sins forgiven and, and wiped away and their name in the book of life, their name's in another book. It's in those other books and under their name is recorded every sin they ever commit in life. Book's probably thick on my part till I got saved, okay? Probably, probably a large paragraph, large pages, numbers, a chapter, two, several chapters. The point is, there are books in heaven and God keeps records. And you say, well, what are these books for? I'm glad you asked. At the great white throne judgment, when lost men and women stand in front of Jesus to give an account for their sin, the book of life will be there and the books will be there. The book of life will be there to say, look, your name's not in here. 
Because I just suppose there'll be somebody in front of Jesus who's going to go, no, I made a profession one day and the angel's going to, you know, however this thing goes, maybe it's Jesus on the throne. There's a, a bookkeeping angel. I don't know. A cherubim who his, you know, pencil in his ear, he little green shady thing. And that's what he does. He, he writes stuff down and he looks in the book and goes, no, your name ain't here. But your name's in this other book and there's a whole bunch of stuff under it. You see, God keeps a record of all our sins because for the lost man or woman who stands in front of Jesus on judgment day, God is fair and God is just. And their judgment will be according to their deeds. Now look, this is not a, a, a predominantly salvation message this morning, but you can't pass this over. Here's the good news. If your name is not in the book of life, you can come to Jesus right now right where you sit online in your, in, your, in your pajamas, drinking your coffee, whatever you're doing, you can come to Jesus right now. You can confess your sins and ask God to forgive you. And then here's what will happen. Your name goes in the book of life. And, and the books with all the sins in it, they get blotted out. They get erased because of the blood of Jesus. And God said, I'll never look at those sins again. I put them as far as the east is from the west. I put them behind me and they go away. And so in Jesus, you never have to stand in front of the judge and give an account for the sins. You get, listen, you get what's called a pardon. And you get the pardon in Jesus. So the book of life is a big deal. And he specifically says right here in Revelation 13 that those who will worship the Antichrist do not have their name in the book of life. Well, that makes sense, doesn't it? Because they're lost. And if they're lost, they're gonna follow Satan and they're gonna follow the things of the world because they are deceived. So the good news is if your name's in the book of life, you're in. If your name's not in the book of life, you ought to take care of that today as a young man did when he came to see me on the ship. And then he says here, anyone who has an ear, let him hear. What does that mean? It means pay attention. It means if you hear what God's saying, respond. You see, hearing is more than the sound waves bouncing off your eardrums. Hearing is when God speaks to us that we respond. Now, you know how that works. Have you ever spoken to your children and they don't respond? What do you say to them? You go, are you listening to me? Oh, they hear you just fine. They, they ain't nothing wrong with their ears. They hear you just fine. But they really aren't listening, are they? Because they're not moving. I know I'm old fashioned, but in my house, when I would speak to my kids, I wanted them moving before the last syllables came out of my mouth. You know what I'm saying? I, I, wanted, to see, I wanted to see some kind of physical, obvious, open response that dad's talking and I need to be moving, okay? Even if they're not sure what direction to go, I just want them to take a step, do something so that I know you hear what I'm saying. That's what he's saying right here. If you have ears to hear, listen to what he's saying. To go into the tribulation and to go into that period lost, it would be terrible, it would be terrible because there'll be such deception. And he says, listen, pay attention. If you need to be saved, now is time to be saved. Heed the warning. Don't let yourself get caught in that situation. Now, the false prophet. There's gonna be another man who's gonna come on the scene. And he's gonna be, uh, he's gonna be the PR guy, if you will, from a religious sense for the Antichrist. This guy's gonna be a religious leader and he is gonna, point the world, the lost world, whose names are not in the book of life. He's going to do all he can through this false religion to, to help them worship the Antichrist and worship Satan. He's going to be 
the cheerleader, if you will. And we find that guy introduced in verse 11. Look at chapter 13, verse 11. John said, then I saw another beast coming up out of the earth and he had two horns like a lamb and spoke like a dragon. Now another there, alos in the, in the Greek means another of the same kind. Not exactly alike, but of the same kind, meaning the same, the same wickedness and the same purpose of Antichrist, this false prophet, this man rises up under the same influence. This is another man Satan will use in his tools and his influence in the world. This person, this uh, person here who comes with two horns like a lamb, but speaks like a, a dragon comes up out of the earth. Now you'll remember that Antichrist, the beast comes up out of the sea, which is in turmoil. Now we know because the book of Revelation interprets for us what the sea means, it's the masses of people that are in disarray, that are in confusion, which will happen when the church is raptured. And then the Antichrist will come out of that confusion and seem to be the man who can bring peace and calm and bring the solution. Well, in the same way, this man comes up out of the earth. Now, the difference between the sea and the earth is this man will be a, a little calmer. And this man will be a little more gentle and a little more personable and a little more persuasive and, and perhaps a little more gentle in his perspective. Why? Because he's going to be a supposed religious leader. He's going to come and be that religious leg, if you will, that comes along Antichrist to move the people to worship him. One of the ways you can certainly unify people is through a one world religion. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonian Empire tried that. Daniel uh, interpreted a dream for Nebuchadnezzar of this mighty image and the head was a hem of gold. And so Nebuchadnezzar thought very highly of himself and he built this huge statue and he put it out on the plain of Dura. And he said to all of the leaders in his kingdom, he said, every ruler and every magistrate and every governor and everybody who works in my administration, we're going to go out there on that plain and we're all going to worship together. Why did he do that? Because if everybody in his administration are all of the same religious persuasion and they all worship the same way, then he's got control of them. The only problem was there were three Hebrew boys who knew the law and said, no, we ain't worshiping that thing. And he tried to burn them and God preserved them. Uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, great story. But Antichrist can do the same thing. He's going to have this false prophet and the false prophet is going to try to create this one world religion. The world's been trying to do that for a long time, hasn't it? Trying to create everybody to worship the same way. Don't you hear it today? You know what I hear people say? Well, you know, it doesn't really matter what, what faith you are. We're all getting the same way. We're all going to the same place a different way. Mm, not really, no. Mm -mm. Matter of fact, I'm in Jesus Christ, and, uh, and that's the only way there is to go to get to heaven. And so if you're trying to get there some other way, you're going to be disappointed because you're not going to get there. And so this guy is going to try to do the same thing. Now, horns like a lamb. What's, what's the difference here? Now, remember, Antichrist had, was this picture of this dragon, this beast, right? With the, with the horns and the heads and the crowns and all that stuff. Same thing as was described as Satan. Well, why is this guy different? He looks like a lamb. He's got two horns like a lamb. Well, horns still mean power, but gentler. Like a lamb looks like, a, a lamb's not very threatening, is it? I mean, I've been around farm animals all my life and, and uh, goats. If you ain't paying attention, a goat will hurt you. He'll, he'll you know, you're looking the wrong way, he'll butt you. That hurts. I've been headbutted by a goat before. Horses. Horses won't normally hurt you, but I wouldn't stand around behind them a long time. You know what I mean? Because I've been kicked before. That don't hurt. But a sheep? I ain't never worried about a sheep. 
I mean, a sheep don't have any teeth. He can't even bite you. So no big deal. So this, this guy, this religious leader is going to look like a lamb. Why? Because it's going to put people at ease. But he's, well, listen, he's going to be a major deceiver. Class A, probably the, the, the most pervasive deceiver religiously the world has ever known. But notice this. He spoke like a dragon. What does that mean? He speaks just like Satan. He speaks the same thing. We'll get it in a second. He speaks just like Satan. In other words, he has the same message. He has the same message as Antichrist. He has the same purpose. And so he is a, a religious, what we would call a false teacher. And his words will be alluring. He'll be charismatic and he'll be influential and he will deceive people. Let's talk about false teachers for just a moment. False teachers are perhaps the most dangerous. Matter of fact, they are. False teachers are the most dangerous tool uh, in Satan's arsenal today against the church. False teachers. You see, most Christians who are walking in, in the power of the Holy Spirit, Satan's going to have a hard time getting you just to run out and commit some gross sin. Not that it doesn't happen, but that's going to be tougher for him. Why? Because the Holy Spirit's in you and you're reading the Bible and, and, and you know, the Holy Spirit's got you and you don't really want to do that. And so it's not as easy for Satan just to like front end assault us and go, look, I want to drag you away from God. But you know what's easy for him? You know what's, what's more subtle? False teaching, deception, things that aren't true really not having our minds renewed in the word of God properly as it should. See, false teachers lead people astray all the time. I uh, had the privilege one time to lead a young lady and her brother to the Lord, and they prayed to receive Christ. And it was only a matter of months later till, till a cult came along, and they were young in their faith and began to woo them away and draw them away with false teaching. And they would ask me questions, and I would say, look, you don't need to listen to those people. I said, open the Bible. Open the Bible and read it and come here and let us teach you what God's word says. You say, preacher, why do you, why do you teach through books of the Bible? Why do we spend weeks going through one book of the Bible like Revelation or another book of the Bible? Or why do you take a, a topic and just preach it verse by verse? Because that's the most powerful thing we can do in our walk with Jesus. That's the Amen. best thing we can do to learn God's word, to equip us so that we know the truth and we, and we can tell the difference between truth and error. And listen, renewing your mind in the word of God so that you know truth will put up a wall of defense and a shield for you in your Christian life that nothing else can do. And so false teachers are very dangerous. In fact, listen, Jesus said, as the time approaches for him to rapture the church and this whole scenario to begin to unfold, he said in Matthew 24, 11, then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. There are many false teachers today. Uh, preaching on TV, on the radio, in pulpits across America. Listen, say, pastors, it really that pervasive? Some of the largest churches in this country today have preachers who aren't preaching the truth. One of them, one of them is, is very uh, blatant about his preaching. He preaches that nobody's going to hell. And he preaches in one of the largest churches in the country. He says, oh, God's not going to send anybody to hell. You don't have to worry about it. Well, that's a lie. That's a lie. Because people who die without Jesus, that's exactly where they're going. So false teachers, listen, here's, here's three things about false teachers you need to note today. And, and this will be true of Antichrist and of the false prophet. Number one, false teachers teach false doctrine. You say, well, that doesn't sound 
You don't have to be real smart to figure that out. No, we're not trying to be smart. It is the truth. False teachers teach stuff that's not true. They teach stuff that's in error. Now listen, like Satan, they just don't, they just don't do it like the one preacher who just said, well, people aren't going to hell. Well, that's a little obvious, okay? Most of us who have been around church and read the Bible go, no, that's wrong. We're not gonna have anything to do with that. Most false teachers are subtle. They mix a little bit of truth in with the wrong, with the error, so that unless you're paying attention, you don't catch it. That's why you gotta know the Bible. That's why you gotta understand it. Here's the second thing about false teachers. The Bible says in 2 Peter 2.15 that they're greedy. They're greedy, they're selfish. Meaning most of them are in it for the money. <laughs> that doesn't, they messed the boat on that, I can tell you. Most of them are in it for the money. Most of them are in it for the prestige, for the name, for the celebrity status. Listen, I can pick on preachers because I've been one for a long time. I've met preachers who, who walk around like they're a celebrity. You know, they got, they got a posse. I guess you'd call it that. They got, a, they got a group of guys who are around them all the time. That's okay, I guess. I mean, that's all right. But be careful about the greed and thinking more of yourself than you should. Because you know, you know what teachers and preachers are? We're just a voice like John the Baptist crying in the wilderness. Man, we're just saying what God already said. Teaching is nothing more than saying what God said and explaining it so people can understand it. Listen, false teachers want to be greedy. I'll tell you another thing. False teachers, thirdly, according to Ezekiel, are self-deceived. They start believing their own lies. And they start thinking they're telling the truth and they think they're doing a great work and they are self-deceived. Well, in the tribulation, the false prophet will be the epitome of all of that. He'll be, he'll be the guy. He'll be the one. Now today, how, what does this mean to us today? Say, well, pastors, we get closer. There'll be more and more false teachers. How do, we, how do we know the difference? How do we know who we should listen to on the radio? How do we know who we should watch on TV? Well, that's easy. You ought to be like the Bereans in Acts chapter 17. You know what it said there? Listen to this. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica. Listen to this. And that they received the word with all readiness. In other words, the preachers came, the prophets come, and they listened to them. You say, okay. But listen to this and search the scriptures daily to find out whether those things were so. In other words, they listened to the preaching and then they opened their Bible and they went, well, let me see if that's what it says. Why do we always start our messages here with take your Bible and turn to whatever passage we're studying? Because you probably ought to read it for yourself, what do you think? You ought to see that what I'm telling you is on the page. I didn't just invent it this week. I didn't come up with it. See, most false teachers want to be sensational. They want to come up with stuff that's exciting. This Antichrist, this guy, Antichrist, and the false prophet will be two peas in the same pod. And this false prophet will be more deceptive than anybody in human history. And, uh, and he'll be able to deceive many. It says here he'll lead many away and lead them to worship the Antichrist. Now, what about the power of this guy? How influential will it be? Well, he tells us in verses 12 to 14. Look at it. And he, this false prophet, exercised all the authority of the first beast. In other words, he has the same, he's the same demonic power, same influence. And he said he, he exercised all the authority of the first beast in his presence. Look at this. And causes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. But verse 13, he performs great signs so that he even makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. Verse 14, and he deceives those who dwell on the earth by those signs which he was granted to do in the sight of the beast, telling 
those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who was wounded by the sword and lived. Again, we're reminded this man will have the same demonic power, the same influence. It'll just be a religious leg of the Antichrist kingdom and his ministry, if you will. Now, he will promote the worship of Antichrist, which in essence is to promote the worship of Satan. Uh, there are people today who, who engage in satanic worship. Nothing like will be going on during the tribulation. And this man will be a great part of that, to move people uh, to worship the beast and, 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 and Satan himself, greatly because of this man's appearing to have recovered from this deadly wound. Meaning people will think, who can, who can do such a thing and who can be so powerful? And so they will worship him as a God. Now notice that this false prophet is going to have the power to do miracles, to call down even fire as it appears from heaven. Now think about that. In the book of Revelation, since we've been studying it over the last several weeks, who did we read about recently who was calling down fire out of heaven on people? Do you remember? The two witnesses, remember? God has these two witnesses. And anybody who would harm these two witnesses, they just call down fire to heaven and burn them up. Well, now the false prophet is allowed to have the power to appear to call down fire from heaven just as those two witnesses did. Can you imagine what kind of confusion that's going to cause among the people in the world? That this, this man, this false religious leader is going to appear to have the same kind of power as the men of God. Now that raises some questions. And let's just touch them real quick as we move through this. How does this man or how will this man have the power to do these apparent miracles? After all, isn't God the only one who can do miracles, which will be the reasoning of the people in the tribulation? Well, isn't God the one who can do these miracles? So he must be representing God. In the tribulation, God is sovereign over all the events. And God is apparently going to allow, allow this man under satanic influence to be able to do these things that will, in fact, deceive people. And God's going to allow him to do that. God's going to allow him in those last three and a half years to do these things to lead the world astray. Now, listen to me very carefully right here. You say, well, why would God do that? Why would God allow this false prophet to be able to do miracles and impress people and, and be, the, be this religious influencer to move people to worship Antichrist? There's a very important reason that God's going to allow him to do that. And, and to get that reason, we have to go back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 9. Listen to me very carefully here. In 1 Thessalonians 2, 9, in that whole chapter, in the second chapter, Paul is talking about the Antichrist. And he's talking about that tribulation period. He's warning the church in Thessalonica and obviously us as we read the Bible. He's warning us about this man of sin, this Antichrist and his whole, his whole regime in that last three and a half years. Listen to what Paul said right here in 1 Thessalonians 2, 9. Listen to this. The coming of the lawless one, Antichrist, is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders. The power, the signs, and the lying wonders are connected to the false prophet as well who points people to him, okay? Now look at verse 10. And with all unrighteousness, unrighteous deception among those... Now, now watch this. And with all unrighteous deception among those who perish. In other words, God's allowing him to have this influence through miracles and powers and signs on those who are perishing. Well, why is God allowing that? Here it is. 
because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. Now, that's, listen, you need to get this. God is allowing those people in the tribulation to be deceived. God's allowing it. Why? Because they rejected his son. They rejected the gift. They, they rejected the love of God. Look at the rest of it in verse 11 there. And for this reason, God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie, that they may all, that they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. It's judgment, it's punishment. In other words, the people who went into the tribulation, who had had opportunity to be saved, had, had been convicted to know the truth, had been the truth revealed to them and rejected the love of God, rejected the grace of God and went into the tribulation, God's allowing them to be deceived. God's allowing them to believe the lie, to see the miracles and, and be deceived so that they might perish because they rejected the love of God. Here's what that means, listen. Yes, there will be people who will be saved in the tribulation. There will be people who, multitudes. And, and some scholars have said probably more than have been saved in the church age. I don't know if that's true or not, but there'll be multitudes saved in the, in the tribulation. But understand this, those who, who go into the tribulation, the rapture happens and they get left here and they sat in the church seats every week and they heard the gospel and, and they had the opportunity to be saved and the Holy Spirit dealt with their heart and they go into the tribulation, they're not going to get saved. They're not going to go into tribulation and get saved because Paul said right here, and we see it in the book of Revelation, there's going to be miracles and they're going to be deceived and they're going to believe the lie and they're going to perish. Why? Because God's going to give them over to the deception and God's going to give them over to believe the lie. Now here's what that means if you're watching online or here today and you've not been saved, you don't want to play around with God. You don't want to waste the opportunity to be born again by faith in Jesus as God gives you opportunity today. Does everybody understand that? It's a serious matter to turn God away. Now, this image that he mentions here, they're going to build an idol. You notice that? In other words, the false prophet is going to build an idol of the Antichrist that people can see and worship. Now notice verses 15 and 18 as we finish up this chapter. He was granted power, the false prophet was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast to be what? To be killed. He causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads, and that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark of the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here's wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of man, it is the number 666. This false prophet, this right-hand man of Antichrist, this religious leader of Satan, will build an image. False worship usually connects to things, images and idolatry. And so he will build an image of the Antichrist. And somehow, again, as God allows it here, whether it is a deception or he really does, we don't know, the Bible doesn't say, he's going to be able to animate this image. The image will appear to be speaking and breathing and have cognance. And this thing will cause the world even more to worship Antichrist because this image now is able to uh, animate and move and talk and think and speak. And notice specifically that 
as this image now can speak and, and, and look and be alive, look to be alive, it will bring all those who will not worship the image or the Antichrist will be killed, will be executed. Capital punishment. In other words, like in Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom, either fall down and worship this image or we're going to throw you in the fire furnace and burn you up. That's where it's headed in the tribulation. Execution if you don't worship. Now, listen. To control the masses of the world, seven and a half billion people in the planet today, the rapture comes. I don't know how many truly saved people there are, but the, I think it's safe to say there will still be billions here. What do you think? Okay. Billions of people on the planet. How's Antichrist going to control all that? How's he going to control people and what they do? I mean, we've already gotten a little bit of taste of government controlling you in the last six months, haven't we? Telling you what you can do, what you can't do, and when you can go in a house, when you can't come out of the house, yada, yada, yada. Well, that's, that's nothing. Wait till Antichrist takes over. How's he going to control everybody? It's going to be with a mark. It's going to be with some device, uh, the number 666 is, is short of God's number of seven or perfection, so it's man's number. He's going to a mark on the forehead or in the hand. We all know with technology today, that's just a, a breath away with a chip or some device they put in your hand. I mean, I don't know about you, but when I go to the grocery store now, you don't even need money anymore, do you? I mean, you got to have some money in the bank or you'll get in trouble. But I mean, but you don't have to like carry cash anymore. Because you go on, you get a whole cart full of stuff with some Oreo cookies and vanilla wafers and Diet Coke. And, and if you need anything else, you know, you buy it. But you buy all that stuff and you roll up there and they put the stuff on the bear and they, they beep it all through. And they go, okay, your bill's $160. You take your little plastic card and you, you swipe it or your phone if you have one of them. And you stick it up there and it goes beep and you take your stuff and you leave. I mean, we're there, right? I mean, you don't, you don't like take your money out anymore. In fact, most of the stores I go to now, they don't want you to, they don't want money. They don't want you to give them money because of the change and, the, and all that stuff. Well, okay, well, we're just moving in that direction. So what if, what if they figure out that, you know what? We'll just give you a special little chip in your skin right there that's got your medical record on it and tells us, tells us who you are, your bank account, you know, when you get paid, the money will go in your account and it'll update the number on your little thing in your hand or your forehead. And so when you go in, you just stick your hand under the scanner and boop, your money goes and go to the doctor to scan your hand. They go, oh yeah, you're on all these medicines and we're going to update. How, how far do you think we are from that? Not far. Not far. It'd be easy to do. You know, it'd be easy to do. Well, here's what Antichrist can do. He's going to use that system and he's going to control the masses. And how's he going to do it? You can't buy or sell if you don't have the device. In other words, you can't get a job because you don't have a device in your, in your body. You can't get a job. You can't get paid. You can't go to the grocery store. You can't go buy medicine. You can't go to the doctor. You can't do anything. You can't put gas in your car. You can't buy a car. You can't do anything. You can't fly. You can't travel. You can't get on the bus. You can't get on the train. Why? Because you don't have a little device in your hand. And listen, the Bible says if you take the device and you become one of his, you're done. You're done. And all those who refuse to take it, the people who get saved in the tribulation, they go, no, I'm not taking that. I'm not being in your system. They get arrested and they get executed. Or I guess if you're a, a, an outdoor survivalist, you can go to Montana and live in the woods. I don't, you know, I don't know. But that's what it'll be. That's what it'll come down to. That's what it'll be. False prophet is going to lead the way in that through this image and through his false teaching let me close with this 
Does any of that sound good? I mean, if you're, I mean, if you're a rational person, you're thinking that sounds terrible. Well, let me say it this way. It sounds terrible and it will in literal actuality be more terrible than you can conceive. So here's my, here's my plea to you today online watching the video. Come to Jesus today. Come to Christ now. See, the Bible says we're all sinners and we're all guilty. But Jesus died on the cross and provided the way for the pardon so that the sins can be erased and our name can be in the book of life. Don't you want your name in the book of life? Well, I'm asking you this way. Are you sure your name's in the book of life? Because if you're not sure, my name's in there, I can tell you. I remember the day I got, man, my name's in there. I'm a citizen of heaven. Are you? Are you saved? Would you pray to receive Christ today? Would you do it right now in your seat, right where you sit? Would you do it on your couch, online? Would you do it? Let's pray. God, thank you for revealing what's going to happen. And Lord, it sounds kind of scary. It sounds fearful. And Lord, it is a warning. Those who have an ear, let them hear you said. So God, I pray right now, somebody under the hearing of your word in this room or online, wherever they may be, watching a video later this week. God, I pray you would convict their heart right now and draw them. Holy Spirit, you would open their eyes that they can see their need of forgiveness. And God, I pray right now that they would bow their head in this room right now and just pray from that seat quietly to you. Lord, I'm a sinner and I know it. God, I want my name in the book of life and I want to be saved. I want to be forgiven. And I want to have my sin forgiven. God, save me right now. I put my faith in Jesus Christ, your son, and I, and I ask you to save me. God, you said you would save whoever calls, whosoever. God, the Bible says that you so love the world that you sent your son to die on a cross so that whosoever will can be saved. Father, draw us close now. Help us, Lord, to be grateful for our salvation. For those who need you, that they would come now. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.